What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 32 of the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. With me, as always, is Levin Black. What's going on, Levin? Oh, feeling pretty good today. Working nights on my day job and woke up. This would be Wednesday afternoon to some great news. This is the Ricky Waters edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. I see a smile on your face. You like that, don't you? Uh, there's just so many ways you could take the Ricky Waters thing. I Great love player, you. jerk. You know, you, you can go positive and negative with that one. See, both of those can be true, though, right? Like, Ricky was kind of a jerk, and he was also a really good player. The dude had, like, three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Nobody seems to remember that. If he wasn't such a big jerk, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame because he yeah. probably would have gotten more opportunity later in his career. And, I mean, his numbers are borderline Hall of Fame as they are. That is a very good point. And you talked about waking up to the news. How many times have we said on this show that this is going to be an off season where literally you wake up and check your phone and say, oh, shit. well, guess what? This morning when I looked at my phone, the two first words that came out of my mouth were, oh, because Trent Williams is back with the 49ers. It is a six year deal. It is one hundred and thirty eight million with like a thirty million dollar signing bonus. I think he gets like fifty five million guaranteed bucks congratulations Trent what was your first reaction Levin didn't matter the cost they had to sign him like not getting him you know I put it out on Twitter not getting him re-signed ends the contention window there there was no chance of contending in 2021 if they lost Trent Williams because that offensive line would be garbage because he's really the only one on the offensive line that's truly good at pass blocking like Tomlinson's not bad. I think Brunskill will probably surprise people. At that point, center was a complete unknown. And obviously, Glinch is pretty terrible at pass blocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not getting him, having both your tackles bad at pass blocking, because the chances are whoever replaces Trent Williams would be a bad pass blocker. You were going to be pretty much screwed. I mean, maybe if you went and got the guy that we're probably going to be talking about in a later topic on this podcast, Deshaun Watson, maybe you could still contend, but he would have to have an MVP level season. So it was a must do. I don't care the money. And while the money seems large, one, he's worth it. Two, he reportedly, we don't have all the details yet, but reportedly made it pretty team friendly in year one. And three, in reality, they can get out of it in, in probably four years without a huge dead cap. So it's not like they're truly tied to him until he's 39, like he stated he wanted to play till. And you brought up a good point with Brunskill because he's been all over the place. You know, he hasn't really had a chance to sort of solidify one spot, work at one spot. You sign Williams now, you've kind of steadied things on the offensive line. Everybody has their role right now. Williams... Tomlinson, Mack, Brunskill, Glinchy. I think that Brunskill could be better in 2021, which I think makes Mike McGlinchey a little bit better also because there is a cohesion that has to form along the offensive line. There are a lot of ripple effects to this Trent Williams signing, and I think that's one of them. I think overall it just makes the offensive line better. Yeah, Brunskill is somebody that I'm I'm excited to see because I think he could be an above-average starter. I don't think he's going to blossom into a pro bowler, um, but I think he's going to be above average. The Brunskill we saw last year 
He reminds me as the offensive version of DJ Reed. We've seen DJ Reed when he was with the Niners, he was getting thrown around nickel corner, safety, cornerback on the outside, all over the place, never could solidify himself, never quite uh, blossomed. And then he goes up to Seattle and he's able to just play one role and suddenly he's a starting caliber player. I think Brunskill has been treated much the same way, just on the offensive side. They keep moving him around, filling in gaps due to injuries here and there. You know, he's played tackle when Staley was hurt uh, two years ago. He's played center. He's played guard. If he just stays a guard, I think he can blossom into a really good player. And I have mentioned it a few times, but I keep going back to Joe Thomas talking about Kyle Shanahan's system when it comes to the offensive line. He said, the way the system works, you don't have to have five studs up front. You're not asked to just lock somebody down for three, four, five seconds at a time. And that's massive, especially when it comes to, look, there are going to be spots on your roster where you don't have a Pro Bowl player. I know we don't like to admit that as fans. We want to have studs everywhere, but that's just the way it is. You can't pay everybody. You're going to have dudes that are average to below average. So if you can have a spot on your line where one of those guys doesn't have to be a stud, That's huge for you to still get production out of that guy in that system. That's how you get complete teams and build complete teams. You know, it gets back to what I said a couple months ago to tie into a a different thing I've said. The Niners have the star players they need. They don't need more stars. They have Kittle. They have Ayuku, I think, is going to be a star. They have Debo, who is, I think, limited in certain aspects as a wide receiver, but what he does is truly unique and is star level. You know, the the end arounds, the short yardage, the after the catch, he's a star in that way. Boza is obviously a star. Fred Warner is a star. I, I wouldn't quite put Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward there, but they're, they're close, I would say. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they make some Pro Bowls in their career. They have all the star players they need. They just need to shore up the other areas. I forgot about Trent Williams. Trent Williams is a star. Um, but they need to shore up the other areas and then they will be a dominant team. And that is what they've started to do with guys like Alex Mack. And you know what I love about Alex Mack? In 12 years as a pro, he's only missed games in two seasons. That is exactly what the 49ers need. And it's a, a trait that uh, is not alone in with Mack when it comes to the 49ers free agents. Sam Abukum, the linebacker that the Niners just signed, also rarely if ever misses games. I feel like I like that adjustment by the 49ers. They have seen the light. They know now that while anybody can get hurt, you can't keep taking risks on guys with sketchy injury histories. I like the histories of the two guys they brought in. All right. Everybody hear that? Make a mental note. Episode 32 of the Gold Standard Podcast, if those guys get hurt, is where Rob Stats Guerrero jinxed the the Niners (laughs) and destroyed their season. (laughs) Don't do that. I mean, look, like we anybody can get injured, yes, but injured dudes tend to get injured more, and the Niners have stopped bringing those guys in, which I love. Uh, Mac's going to be 36. Um, he's not the same guy he was, but he still allowed only one sack in 633 pass blocking snaps last year. So it's going to be a vast, vast improvement over what they've had at center. Sorry, Hironis Grasu. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's with Matt Ryan, who's not exactly a mobile quarterback. You know, he can move within the pocket decently well, but he... M- is up there in terms of slowest quarterbacks in terms of actual running. 
So that that is a really good stat and what the Niners need. They don't need a dominant center. They just need somebody who's going to be there and be consistent because it's, I think, an underestimated thing, the center to quarterback exchange. Mm -hmm. There is a relationship there that takes timing and takes kind of a feel. Um, So that is a big thing. And I think that that is get been an issue where they've constantly been changing centers due to injuries. So I'm excited to have a guy that hopefully can play every game. And I think that offensive line, if it stays healthy, is going to end up being the number one rated offensive line in the league. And you're not going to have to worry about this Alex Mack. No, the system, there's no offseason. Oh, he knows the system. He was with Kyle in Cleveland. He was with Kyle in Atlanta. Like, He's going to have to catch up a little just because there's probably been some tweaks since then. But like he knows the system and the center is like the quarterback of the entire offensive line. So even though physically Alex Mack may have lost a step, he mentally is going to be on top of everything, which I think is going to make everybody cough, cough, Mike McGlinchey, cough, cough, Daniel Brunskill a lot better. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned him and I think we should talk about him. I really like the Ibukum. I don't know. Is it Ibukum or Cam? No, it's Ibukum. Okay. So I really like the Ibukum signing. I think that's a very underrated signing that hasn't gotten quite as much pub as will likely be during the season. I think he's going to end up putting up some stats. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities for sacks because quarterbacks are going to be fleeing from the left side where Bose is coming. And I think he's going to have the advantage because you're going to have Kenlaw, you're going to have Armstead, you're going to have Bosa. The defense is going to be concentrating on them. And I think he is very near to what D Ford is. I think there's a little bit of a difference. D Ford had a bull rush, but D Ford had just a crazy first step. That is what made D Ford so crazy good. Is he had such an elite first step that the defender or the offensive uh, lineman was already on the defense. He was already having to try to panic and get there. He doesn't quite have that, but he has more strength than D Ford has. He has a really good bull rush. I think that he could end up putting up 10 plus sacks because of all the other guys that are there and all the chances he's going to have where the team cannot adjust for him. And it's going to be a right tackle pretty much left on an island with him. The speed is what they really missed last year. You've talked about it a lot with Ford. You just did it there. He's a terror coming off the edge. And I think that the Niners sort of have a good understanding of how their defense works, how it's designed to function. You want Bosa on one side. You want a speed demon on the other side. Because even if that, even if a Bukum or when it was Ford, when he, you know, even if he doesn't get all the way home, he's going to force the quarterback to move off of his spot. And in 2019, that meant either rolling to Bosa's side or stepping up in the pocket towards Buckner. And I think what the 49ers are hoping to recreate is if a Bukum can get pressure off the edge, Bosa will still be there, you hope, or he's going to push him into Kinlaw and Armstead in the middle. That is a good formula for the 49ers. They have seen it work multiple times, and I, I, I agree with you, especially for the cost. I mean, a, a is going to cost them like very, very little. I think it was a home run by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I'm excited to see how they use him. I'm hoping they get creative with him because there are a lot of opportunities. Because he has been both a defensive end and a linebacker, he can pass rush standing up. So I would be excited to see some gimmicks where, you know, you line up with 
your traditional four linemen with him as the defensive end and Armstead to his right. But then when the offense gets lined up, suddenly he pulls back, goes into a linebacker stance, moves over, and is going to pass rush from the other side, and Armstead slides to the outside because he's capable of playing defensive end. Like, you could create all kinds of confusion amongst that offensive line because you could literally take the defensive end on the left side, and suddenly he's pass rushing through the center, you know, or he's pass rushing between Kinlaw and Bosa. Because he can be a stand-up linebacker, he has that capability of really messing with an offensive line. Well, I hope so, because I think, again, that the defense is going to have to carry this team. As long as they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that the defense is going to have to be the kind of thing where if Jimmy can't really get the offense going for a while, the defense can sort of hold the fort until he eventually got rolling. Because there were a few games where Jimmy early would not be quite as sharp. And then as they got going and things came along, he eventually picked up speed and then the offense got rolling. So hopefully they can do that kind of thing again. how would you grade Kyle and John Lynch at this point in the offseason? Because all year we talked about all the decisions they're going to have to make. They've made a bunch of them right now. What letter grade would you give them so far? Until the Trent Williams signing, I think it had to be incomplete because everything hinged on that. Like I already talked about that. If you didn't re-sign him, your contention window is closed. With him signed and then throwing in Alex Mack, who was the center that everybody targeted going into free agency that the Niners should get because he wouldn't be that expensive, yet would be pretty darn good. I I don't see a way that you could say this is anything but an A or even going as far as A plus with the Alex Mack now added in because they have re-signed everybody that we thought they needed to. They have both starting corners now whereas they had pretty much a wide-open secondary other than Jimmy Ward prior to that. They still need a strong safety, but that's, to me, not the most important position. They can find that in the draft. They can find that later in free agency with a guy who doesn't get the contract he wants. There are options there, and it's not that vitally important, but they got the Trent Williams. They got Verrett. They got E-Man back. They, they got Alex Mack. They have done a lot of things that are exactly what everybody thought they needed to do. And they've gotten them done. I don't see how you could not give them at least an A. And they didn't just get them done. Like I was not on the re-sign Kyle Juszczyk train, but you look at that contract. It's basically a two-year deal. It could be a three-year deal, but if they decide to cut him after two years, it's only going to cost them like $1.3 million or something like that. Like that is a phenomenal deal. And I thought Juszczyk was all but gone. He's back now. He's maybe paid a little more than some other fullbacks, but I think he does have more value to the 49ers than anyone else. The Verrett contract is incredible because they could get top 10 play at the position for five and a half, maybe six and a half million dollars. That is a phenomenal value. Granted, health is an issue, but if he plays, which you're planning on him playing, like that is a home run. Uh, All the deals they've done, I really like the structure here. They have not, run into too many bumps in the road. And and so far, the lower cap number does not seem to be hamstringing them as much as I thought it was going to. No, and I think that's the key is the way they've structured these contracts are, I mean, I, I don't think it's quite fair to say they're team friendly. They are in the sense that the first year isn't a huge cap number. But it's not like they're not getting record deals. I mean, Trent Williams is the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. And that's one point I want to touch on because 
there seems to be an attitude from some fans that this regime is kind of cheap and that they try to go cheap on players. That's true to a certain extent, but I don't really think that that is, that is fair at all. And, you know, they have, just in this regime since 2017, they have given out the highest contract ever at the time for a quarterback, for a fullback, for a tight end, for a linebacker, and for an offensive lineman. They have reset the market at all of those positions just in the last, what, four years. That means they're not cheap. Yeah, when you can set the market at five different positions, that's pretty good. I, I think that they, they're they not afraid to re-sign their own guys. I'm want, interested when I would say maybe they're cheap is like, which is something we'll get into, like the Deshaun Watson move. You're going to have to give up a ton to get him. A ton. More than anybody's ever given up for anything other than Herschel Walker, probably. And they might say it's just not worth it to them. I think it is. I don't think it's possible to overpay for Deshaun Watson, basically. Um, But I think when it comes to those kinds of things, that's when the quote-unquote cheapness rears its head. I think it it, it just stems from the Niners are, I wouldn't even say it's cheap, but they have one demand in contract negotiations. Structure it the way we want, the way that is good for the team. Now, is it really being cheap when we're saying, here's a record contract, just make the cap hit the way we want it? Like, no, that's not that's not being cheap. That is just knowing that you can't just give the contracts the players want, be record contracts, and still stay competitive for years to come. Like, they couldn't do the DeForest Buckner deal. They just simply couldn't. If they did the DeForest Buckner deal, the way that DeForest Buckner structured that, there is no Trent Williams right now. There is probably no Jason Verrett, even though that's team friendly. Like they would have been up against the cap because they had such a huge cap uh, hit in year one. The Niners would have not had any money to roll over to this year. And I think they rolled over, what, almost $11 million? Yeah. Like that is why they have the money to re-sign some of these guys. It's a good point. Um, and I think that they, you know, for a team that was in cap hell for a while back in the day, they figured it out now. Like, I have confidence in Prague. I, you, that was my first reaction. I saw the Trent Williams number, and I was like, okay, that's a lot, but now let me see it. Because I have faith in Prague to schedule things and structure things in a way that's going to give the team flexibility. Um, there's one question that is left unanswered, Levin, and we all know what it is, and we all know what <laughs> position it's at. So I want to ask you about that after we take a break. Because there are more juicy rumors out there. So we'll talk about Deshaun Watson and what else is left for the 49ers to do when we come back. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. All right, Levin, we've been talking about the offensive line. We've been throwing out bouquets to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But as ever, the quarterback rumors continue to swirl The latest one came courtesy of Mike Lombardi of The Athletic, who said that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Dolphins or the Jets. The two teams that he wants to play for are the Denver Broncos, who have a ton of young wide receivers, and the San Francisco 49ers. Supposedly, Houston is not trading him. They haven't engaged, blah, blah, blah. But John McClain, who has covered the team since the dawn of time for the Houston Chronicle, (laughs) tweeted out that he now expects Deshaun Watson to get traded. Your thoughts? There's so many thoughts. Like, 
you might have to narrow that down because there's so many things going on to uh, talk about. Like the fact that pretty much all the people that have been saying Houston is not engaging in trade talk are now saying Houston will likely trade him at some point. Um, like I saw a report that uh, Casario is starting to cave in terms of willing to listen to offers that are out there. Now, they didn't say that he has responded to any trade offers, but you know the reports were Houston wasn't even listening. So it would seem like they've at least listened. And I think this all kick-started with the Tyrod Taylor signing. When they signed him and they're willing to pay, I think it was $12.5 million to a quarterback who has stated he thinks he's a starter still, who has uh, certainly starting capabilities, that certainly raises the question. I mean, in a lot of ways, Tyrod Taylor is a poor man's Deshaun Watson. I think they play a very similar style. He's just not quite as good at almost anything. <laughs> at everything, really. Yeah, I think the the deal can, it's like a $6.5 million deal, but it can go up to $12.5 million, which I think, right, I agree with you is sort of a cover-your-ass plan by the Texans that in case we have to trade Deshaun, we have something here. And look, Terod Taylor has gotten teams to the playoffs. He got the Bills to the playoffs. The Bills. when the Before the Bills were really that good, he took them to the playoffs. So I think that that's the crack you're starting to see in the sort of defense of the Houston Texans. I've said it a million times. It's always the way these things go. Superstar wants to be traded. Team says, no way, we're not going to trade them. Then all of a sudden they start getting calls. Then all of a sudden you hear, well, they're listening on calls. And then all of a sudden the dude gets traded. That's the path that we're on. I've said it a million times. He has to get traded. If they're going to do it at all, he has to get traded before the draft this year. Well, the days are tick, tick, ticking away, Levin. I think it's, po- I think it's happening. I don't know if it's happening to San Francisco because the Panthers are all in. Hardcore Joe Person, who covers them for the athletics, said, I think he described Watson as the Panthers' plan A, B, and C. David Tepper, their owner, is all in on it. So I don't know if the 49ers win the sweepstakes, but Deshaun Watson ain't going to be playing for the Houston Texans in 2021. Yeah, a lot of it hinges on Watson himself because he has the no trade clause. Like, right. The Panthers could offer 20 first round picks if Watson says, No, I exercised my no trade clause. There's nothing Houston can do about it. Now, Houston could play hardball and say, okay, well, we're going to sit until, until we get to the season and you haven't played for two weeks. And you decide, hmm, okay, maybe it's not that bad of a situation to go to Carolina. Problem is, then you lose the chance at that high Carolina pick this year. But I do think that there's an interesting um, seesaw, teeter, I don't know what you want to call it. But there's an interesting point here that we don't know where Houston is at. They could prefer to tank themselves this season so then they can have a high pick and they're not worried about getting the quarterback of the future necessarily this offseason, if you know what I mean. Like, they could be saying, let's just get a bunch of first-round picks and then next year we'll likely have high first-round picks and we can decide what quarterback we want in that draft. Like, it all depends on their evaluation, I think, of the quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, I think it's possible, but again – If you make the move this year and you trade with the Dolphins or the Jets, you get the benefit of having the extra first-round picks without having to wait four years to use all of them. If you make a a pick for four firsts from the 49ers, you have to wait four years because the Niners only have one first-round pick in each of those years. 
Casario might not be around in four years. David Culley, their <laughs> new coach, might not be around in four years. It's sort of a four-year league. So I that's why I've always maintained he's going to be moved before the draft. If it's not Deshaun Watson for the 49ers, if they try and try and try and fail, there is always the draft themselves, Levin. I'm hearing certain things that about the Niners and how Jimmy Garoppolo lost a lot of respect in the locker room because he didn't come back at the end of the season. I don't know if that's true. These are all just rumors. There's a lot of stuff out there, but I could certainly see that being true. And one of Jimmy's big selling points is the guys love him. Well, if he's doesn't have that love and he's not really that good and he gets injured all the time, what are you really worried about losing? Yeah, I don't know. The, the closer we get to the draft, the close or the more I get solidified in an opinion that I just don't see the Niners willing to trade up. I don't think they're willing to trade that draft capital to get a rookie that's still an unknown. It doesn't matter what your scouting says. Everybody misses. And I think they realize and they've said pretty much this in the past that the more shots you have, the more chances you have of getting something and talking about draft picks. So I don't think they're going to be willing to trade what it would take because trading up means giving up next year's first pretty much guaranteed. I think like you're not going to get up into the top five um, without giving up the first round. Maybe you could get to like eight or nine if the quarterback you want has fallen without giving up a future first, but most likely you have to give up significant draft capital. I don't think they're willing to do that. I think they're willing, begrudgingly, but willing to go into next season with Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter and pray for better health and sit at number 12. And if one of the quarterbacks they like falls, they'll pull the trigger, but they'll let that quarterback sit with Jimmy. You know, I I said it a couple months ago that they don't necessarily have to trade Jimmy prior to the season. They can draft a rookie let them battle it out in training camp. And even if Jimmy wins it in training camp, they could pull a Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith situation, but maybe just a little bit earlier in the season and basically give the rookie four or five games to sit and see what happens and then put him in as the starter and trade Jimmy prior to the trade deadline. Like that is possible. I don't think it's likely, but it is possible that they let them go into training camp and see the rookie prior to pulling the trigger on a Jimmy trade. Yeah, I guess it's possible. Um, I just, I go back to what Kyle said in his opening press conference with the Niners, that if you find a quarterback that has the total package that you like, you move heaven and earth to get him and you don't think twice about it. Let's see it. Like the opportunities are there, right? How many good quarterbacks are there in this draft? Four? We think maybe four or five? Plus Deshaun Watson is out there? Like, You've got heaven and you've got earth, Kyle. Start moving. Start pushing. Like, let's go. Watson, yes. I, I'm i not convinced that Kyle looks at any rookie quarterback and says, this is the guy I'll move heaven and earth for because there's, there's always an unknown to a rookie. It doesn't matter how good of a prospect they are. There is still a significant bust chance. Wait a minute. There is a chance Trevor Lawrence doesn't pan out. You were just telling me on the text the other day how much how Trevor Lawrence isn't that guy. He's not a normal prospect and he's going to be great. And I was the one saying, hold on, we don't know. There's always a chance. I think Trevor Lawrence is a really good prospect. I think the deeper we've gotten into the draft stuff, there have been some rumors coming out of his attitude, basically. Like, 
how much he prepares. Uh, I, I remember reading, I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody wrote an article that there were minor concerns that Trevor Lawrence took things for granted at Clemson and didn't do exactly what he needed to do in this last season in terms of prepping. Yeah. How much of that is true? I don't know, but I could see it. I mean, I could see that he is somebody that has had a silver spoon the entire time and has never had to. I'm not saying it is. I have no clue. And that is by far the hardest thing to figure out in draft prep. Unfortunately, it's also, as we talked about, probably the biggest factor in how good a quarterback is in the NFL, because you cannot be a good quarterback in the NFL without studying the film. It's just you can't get a straight answer from a coach. You ask the college coach, hey, does he watch a lot of film? Of course he does. Because guess what? His prospect going high in the draft helps his program because he can go to, uh, you know, people in high school that they're recruiting and say, hey, look at us. We had this guy go, you know, whatever in the draft. You know, they use that as a recruiting ploy. So they're not going to talk down their player no matter what. So obviously quarterback will remain to be seen what they do and which direction they go. And we'll have plenty more time to talk about that. Besides the quarterback, Levin, as we wrap up here, what is left? For the 49ers to do this offseason, what do you see as the remaining assignments for Lynch and Shanahan? There's really nothing I think that's critical left. They were able to address the critical spots already, which is one reason why the draft could be really interesting, because the Niners are basically free to pursue whatever they want. That could mean a trade up. That could also mean a trade down. Like I could see this team saying, you know, we don't really need somebody that can come in and start right away at any position because none of the quarterbacks made it to us, we're going to trade down and we're going to get a whole bunch of depth on the cheap and with the rookie deals and maybe even trade down. Like I could see multiple trade downs. Like they're a team that could get away with doing that and just get a whole bunch of shots in the second and third round, plus get ammo for next year in the draft by getting future picks. There's a lot of things they can do, but really the only other things that need to be addressed is obviously strong safety and they need to get probably another uh, wide receiver. That doesn't mean they have to spend big money. I think they could go cheap and find a cheap vet because the wide receiver market is by far the one that has not developed in free agency. Nobody's gotten big deals yet. So there are going to be bargains after the draft. I think that is where you're going to see some really like uh, deals that people go, wow, that's how cheap he went. And if you're willing to wait out that market, you can get a great, deal you can get somebody on a one or two year deal that you wouldn't have thought you could get for under five million I think that is possible and then the only other thing they need depth like they have lost their defensive line depth yeah there's not depth there they need to find some depth but that that, that's things you can find later in the draft yeah that's such a nice place to be in that's why I think the as we sort of come full circle here like the Trent Williams signing is so great because it doesn't tip the 49ers hand as to what they're going to do at 12 and at other places in the draft Nobody really knows. And that's something that I think it was Benjamin Albright told me in a podcast last week that the hardest thing this year for teams to do because there's no combine and there's no kind of mingling and tampering and all that stuff is it's harder for teams to get an idea of what other teams are thinking. 
what their needs might be, what direction, which way they're leaning. You know, sometimes you have a conversation with somebody, especially after a couple beverages, and they let just like a quick comment slip about a position or a player. And you're like, it sticks in your head. You're like, you know what? I remember that. Maybe that's where they're leaning. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Well, they don't have that this year. It's really hard for teams to get an idea of what other teams are thinking and how they value other players in the draft. So I love that the Niners have Williams in the fold because they have all their cards close to the chest now, and that gives them more options. And when you're talking about how to have a successful draft, I feel like the most successful teams when it comes to the draft are the teams that don't draft for need, that have options, and let it come to them. I will say this. If you are somebody that likes to see the Niners draft picks when they happen, you're going to have to watch the entire first round. Like You're not going to be able to tune out because starting at number two, the trade-up possibility is there. If they stay at 12 it, and make a selection, that trade-up into the back of the first round is still possible. They've done it multiple times during this regime already. Like You can't tune out. They, they could move up to as high as two. They could move back into the first round or in a trade-down anywhere to 32. Like 22 to 32, the Niners have the capability of making that pick. So you can't turn it off because the Niners made their pick. I'm good to go now. And they may trade back up into the first round after making a first round pick. It is going to be such a fun draft. Like this offseason, I thought was going to be fun. And so far, it is shaping up to be that. Even if the Niners decide to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the draft is still fascinating for this team because it'll tell us what they think of themselves. And I think it's much more honest than just listening to what they say in the press conferences. What they do will tell you a lot much more a lot more about what they think about themselves. So it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. And so the two things on my checklist that have to be done are find a wide receiver, figure out the quarterback, and then go into April's draft and and see what falls to you. The draft is going to answer one question for sure. How much do the Niners truly believe in Jimmy? Because if they don't address the quarterback situation, you know, you know what they actually think decently highly of Jimmy they would prefer an upgrade but they think he's good enough if they trade up for a quarterback that tells you that they think Jimmy is garbage (laughs) and that they can easily move on if they stay put like and still take a quarterback at number 12 it means Jimmy's decent but they know that they can find an upgrade like you're gonna get your answer whether they draft a 12 trade up or don't address the quarterback situation all of those give you an answer Oh, I can't wait to see it because I just want finality to this. I hate uncertainty. I just, I don't like it. Even if it's bad, like I've always been a guy that's like, okay, just tell me what's happening or what's not happening and I will move on from there. I hate when things are up in the air. Like when you're waiting to hear back on a job, that is the worst. That for me, like those are the worst times because I would rather, if you ask me, I would almost say, if I could know right now, it's better for me, even if I don't get the job, as opposed to having to wait two days to find out I got the job. Like I struggle in those situations. And yet you dragged me into your job search earlier. And like, I guess it was about a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago. You text me, hey, if I were to get a job with SB Nation and Niners Nation, would you join me on the podcast? So then I had to sit there and limbo like, yeah, I could be going somewhere. I well, could not be. Because I had, I, look, I misery <laughs> loves company, right? I wanted you in on that. I had to do something while I was waiting. I couldn't just sit there and twiddle my thumbs. 
Plus, I wanted to be able to say, great, you're giving me the job. Look at this awesome person I'm bringing with me. Yeah, you're welcome. I got you the job. Like yeah. you you flat said in the interview. <laughs> that... <laughs> hey, I can get this guy. Oh, okay. You're hired, Rob. I owe all my success to you. One last thing before we go, <laughs> because we've talked about your job, how you are basically Homer Simpson. You work at the power plant. And in your own words, you've described it as most of the time you're just monitoring things and things are good. You've got some free time. But if if things ever go wrong, then you have a lot to do very quickly. It's potentially a dangerous situation. Well, Kyle Posey and Akash Anavarathan did a locker room last night about the 49ers free agency situation. And at one point they called you up to ask a question and you said you were at work. And all of a sudden I heard a noise in the background and you said it was an alarm. And I was instantly terrified because I know what you have said about your job. And I was like, is there going to be some sort of meltdown live on this locker room? No. So we do get alarms, but they're 99% of the time, nothing major at all. Like it's part of the process. So like we have temp sensors uh, on like a compressor for the oil. Well, when it's cold out and the sun goes down, that temp sensor is probably going to go below its alarm set point. Okay. So you'll get that alarm. You're like, yeah, okay, go away. You know, and it was it was an alarm similar to that. It wasn't a, a major alarm. It was just okay. something that, yeah, of course that happened. You know, that's part of the process. We're at that point of that of that process's cycle because, you know, they go in cycles, some of the things like a regen system. Not to oh, okay. give you a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, that's why I was like, like right right as I clicked on to start talking, an alarm went off. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to say I'm at work. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I was legit worried there. So that is good to hear. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Leave us a five-star review, a question, a comment. We love it. We do appreciate it. Levin, thank you very much, sir. And I will talk to you next week. Yippee.